Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Glitz Mob. I'm Glitz Kent Stewart. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Kent Seavers. And I'm Brendan Meisner. And we're going to break down some movies and talk about whether or not they should be in our Hall of Fame. Now, our Hall of Fame is just because, well, Brendan has a favorite movie, and we'll get to that. But I do not have a favorite movie. Instead, I have a Hall of Fame where I have taken just a lot of movies I like that are appropriate for different scenarios do certain things well in my opinion and just put them in my hall of fame so we've decided to kind of collaborate and and go from there but as i said brendan has a favorite movie do you want to do you want to drop us in i do have a favorite movie yeah and every time that somebody asks me that question, it always comes back to the movie that came out, oh, probably around 2006. Um, but it's been pretty constant since that time. And that movie is Christopher Nolan's The Prestige, yes. which we will get to next week. And I will tell you why it's my favorite movie. Boom. And hopefully it's deserving of the Hall of Fame. That's a little teaser for you. But this week... We're going a little bit of a different direction. We're going to be hitting some heavy stuff today, chatting about Schindler's List, a film which is based on real-life events around World War II and a man by the name of Oscar Schindler, who I wonder if he was as tall as Liam Neeson appears to be in Schindler's right. List. So tall. I mean, maybe it's just the cut of his suit every time, but man, he just... He just looked lanky. Yeah, he did. So yeah. They they didn't second guess that he was uh, probably an Ubermensch because <laughs> Uber tall. The gravitas of this film. Mm. Um, but yeah, acting was phenomenal. I mean, you got Liam Neeson kind of trying to do a German accent, which was a little <laughs> weird. But as far as like just pulling it off, as, you know, conveying the emotions and being Oscar Schindler, great job. You obviously got Ray Fiennes in there, stupendous mm. actor, um, despicable character, and he just obviously nails it. Uh, directing, just heart wrenching cinematography. The black and white. What did you think about the black and white? I think that there's so much that you can do with color in a film, but for this film, it was perfect. Um, yep. The somber feel. I think that the further into the film you get, the more into the war that he gets into the timeline. Um, the black and white just just tells the story so much more, adding to that just feeling of despair, yep. uh, that feeling of, of hopelessness and, and impending doom that, that a world of color, I don't know, could, could very well add into, but could also, you know, not have the same effect on the viewer and so i think it's a great use and then the little girl in the red coat the only color that you really see through the whole thing just at at very specific times is very striking to oscar schindler in the film i think really serves as kind of what's the word i'm looking for kind of like a paradigm shift in his mindset 
at those times when he buys that color. So, yeah, overall, um, directing, fantastic job by Spielberg. I mean, we can go into his poor luck at the Academy Awards going way back in time, but definitely with this film. Um, I think that he deserved the best Oscar nod, which he eventually got for Lincoln, I think. Um, but yeah, acting, cinematography, music, all the elements are there. Yep, the music was also phenomenal. I think the supporting roles, I mean, you've got, like you said, Ray Fiennes and Ben Kingsley. Oh, but yeah. beyond that, there's no huge names, and yet, man, every every specific person that um, is a recurring character throughout the film is just fantastic in their role, and um, it's, I mean, just a stupendous job of casting. Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, um, and I, well, I was gonna, just gonna say I I've been listening to some uh, to a book where they talk about. they they had a section on circadian rhythm and how like the blue sky um versus you know cloudy days are i lost my train of thought but blue skies versus cloudy days so blue skies sunshine people are generally in a in a better mood versus overcast days and when you look at something like a war that's what i was thinking during the film and i realized maybe not everybody who's watching is thinking that but yeah to to not have that blue sky um and to live that life you probably just didn't even notice that the sky is blue because just everything was so bleak Mm -hmm. you have the smoke billowing out of auschwitz and dang yeah um anything else to add about the quality anything strike you about the quality of the film I mean, I just did a little bit of cursory research on Oscar Schindler um, after watching the film, just for my own amusement and, and knowledge. And um, it sounds like they did a pretty good job of portraying him. I mean, he wasn't just this like saint of a man. I mean, he was a Nazi Party member, <laughs> um, right? And he his whole goal was to get rich and. Until that shift, I mean, he was kind of a jerk, kind of, yeah. kind of an awful person. <laughs> and I think that they did a pretty good job of not pulling any punches there and just saying, hey, yeah, this is who he was. Yeah, for sure. And we're kind of spilling over into the feels portion on this one, but it's interesting because you're looking at these Nazis who just kill people for fun kill jews for fun at least they have like this weird code that like germans are people but jews are not people but not only are they not people like they're worse than people Mm -hmm. like we should just kill them as much as we can we can't touch them like disgusting (laughs) but you have Oscar Schindler, who's a womanizer and just kind of an all-around douchebag. But he kind of just stays the same. And everybody else is acting like homicidal robots. Yeah. They're, like, sent to kill everyone. And he's just, like, a human douchebag. <laughs> like, 
it's just it's weird because that like he doesn't change in the war even though he's a horrible person and selfish and greedy and all kinds of stuff but when that's contrasted to like just completely giving up your humanity to be a nazi and to, to follow hitler like yeah it just that contrast is suddenly like makes him look like a bright shining star. Yeah. I mean, to his credit, he was an equal opportunity douchebag. I mean, right. he, he hit on German girls and Jewish girls. And, <laughs> you know, the only right. reason he used the, the Jewish laborers was just because they were cheaper. I mean, if you could have gotten him some Yugoslavians or something that were cheaper to, to hire and run a factory than the Jews, then heck, he wouldn't have even right. been involved with them. Right. Right. And just, you know, the fact that he kind of thought they were human. Yeah, he's got this change of heart, but man. Yeah, it's a it's a compelling story for sure. Well, you have that run in there where he's talking to Ben Kingsley's character, um, Stern, Stern, and trying to defend the the commandant, um, Goth, Rafine's character. Oh, yeah. You know, like, if, if, there, if it wasn't a war going on, if we didn't have this situation, you know. This guy's a great guy. He wouldn't be doing this if, if there wasn't a war. Right. Like, what? He's just shooting people for fun out there. Just right. the early morning stretching target practice. Like, no. That's not it's a normal person. Horrendous. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, and obviously, <laughs> I think, well, so I'll drop this in here. So I was a German major at the University of Nebraska. And if you're a German major, or even if you take German in, in high school, the one constant is no matter what, every single semester, you're going to talk about some Nazis. And <laughs> so I, I had been, exp- I'd never actually seen Schindler's List, but I mean, just been exposed to the, obviously the horrors of the way people acted and the scariest thing I think about that is that these people are normal people. And just because the system they were in and the people around them bought into it, they normalized just absolutely atrocious behavior. And yeah. none of these people, I as far as I understand psychologically were sane people, they weren't any different. It was just because of the circumstances and because of, you know, the lack of some sort of oversight that put these things under checks and balances, the, the social fabric of, of Germany and, you know, surrounding Axis powers or whatever. I mean, everybody's under scrutiny. And so once you make it scary for someone to step out and act like a freaking human being, just weird, weird stuff happens. And that's where you have these guys. Oh my gosh. And I can't, I can't even imagine being a Jew and even doing some, some of these things you're forced to do with go through people's teeth to extract the gold out of their fillings like it's just it's just the lack of humanity is absolutely petrifying 
It's just the lack of uh, insight. I mean, multiple times during the movie, there's a character who says, well, we made it through the worst. Like, the worst has already happened, and now we get to work. Or the worst has already happened, and now we get to do this. It's just like, man, they just had no idea. Like, the the inhumanity of of the Nazis and, and the SS. Right. And they just couldn't comprehend that idea. Uh, right. Which it's hard to, to this day, to comprehend. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, we're so, already well into the feels here. Um, <laughs> yep. And I, I think that you have, I mean, just grading on a criteria of the feels, if you have a movie about the, the Holocaust, you're going to have lots of feels. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's going to be a lot going on there. And, I mean, just watching through, kind of like you were talking about, just not being able to, to comprehend the uh, I don't know, what, what could bring just normal people to to accept this behavior. Um, yeah. It's kind of scary. Yep. Yeah, it really is. And, yeah, for sure, the 20th century was full of just horrific atrocities and people being murdered at unprecedented numbers. And just the the psychological terror of the the victims is just, I mean, you want to say it's sad, but it's just so far beyond sad and tragic and just horrible. I mean, all these people died for basically no reason. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Schindler's List is no exception from. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Um, Schindler's List portrays that um, as probably a ton of films have um, very effectively. Um, and Stern, his character is just so perfect. Um, and Ben Kingsley obviously is a amazing actor. But yeah, just the the contrast, the humanity, the inhumanity everything it just it sucks you in and just makes you wonder the whole time he was just sitting there saying i built this business for you don't mess this up right (laughs) right or even like and i don't know if they ever say his name they probably do and i missed it but the guy who uh hides in the sewer when they initially come through warsaw uh-huh. And and then he comes out, and then that platoon or whatever troop comes on him, and he pretends like he's supposed to be clearing out the street. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would just be peeing my pants, man. Like terrifying. Like they could just off you for no reason, and it's just yeah, despicable. Because this isn't even. I mean, I guess they were. They overtook Poland, but it's not even like these are enemies. These are just people who are around, and they're just freaking murdering them mm-hmm. and throwing them into prison. It's just like, oh my gosh, man. Yeah, chilling. So obviously, <laughs> it's it's in a different level when you're talking about feels for a movie that's dealing with the Holocaust. Um, the pianist is also um, one that shows uh, a Jewish point of view of the Holocaust very well. 
Um, and there have been others that do this, but this is no exception in terms of the gravity. Um, it happens to be a really well-composed narrative. And just in terms, I mean, and there, are, there are a lot of stories from World War II. Obviously, they're highly compelling and interesting stories. But when you have something that really didn't happen, which is a member of the Nazi party actually risking his well-being and finances and even potentially his life to save over a thousand Jews, like that just didn't happen. And so it's it's remarkable in that regard because I I, I don't know of any other story. Well, I, I recently heard one about a Japanese guy um, who worked really hard to save the Jews escaping from uh, the Third Reich. But as far as Nazi members, Nazi party members, I don't know anything like that where any Nazi member, Nazi party member was actively helping Jews and not nearly to that number. Oh, yeah. So it it is crazy. And I mean, that's that's all it took is just opportunity and him just even realizing that these are these are people these are human beings and not only are they good workers but they're they're just good people and to not do anything would just be horrible it'd be interesting to do more research just to know um like where that shift took place because obviously for for a time it was just exploiting them <laughs> for cheap yeah. labor um, yep really like that in terms of today and i mean somebody who just exploits people for cheap labor is just just a jerk yeah Uh, yep and so um when that shift happens i mean he schindler he he spent his whole fortune on everything that he had made trying to to save as many jews as he can by bringing them into his his factories and um trying to kind of deceive the the german government and um, the Nazi party, and then, I mean, after that, things didn't get much better for him. It wasn't like he was some big celebrity hero. I mean, he, he right. struggled to, to make money throughout life. He lived off of basically the, the people that he had saved supporting him and and, and giving him money to, to live. Yeah. Uh, and so... Yeah, not not the fairy tale ending that that you would imagine for somebody who had that sort of accolade. Yeah. Although he is the only Nazi party member that's buried on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, so. Yeah. Well, that's pretty that's crazy. crazy. That's very crazy. Yeah. So, so obviously, it feels overwhelming. You can't really give it star a star rating, but. Five out of five for feels. Um, super compelling, super heavy, super engrossing for that film. What about broad appeal? Is this a film that appeals to a lot of different people, different kinds of people? I mean, yeah. Um, as long as you're not a, a Nazi, um, <laughs> I'd say that there's some appeal there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's based on a true story, which automatically draws people in. Yep. Uh, 
it's just a story of, of humanity, really. Um, and, and I feel like that's got a lot of draw. Um, something that kind of relates more to rewatchability, which we'll talk about next. But um, I think one of the biggest kind of, well, some of the big, bigger things that kind of would keep people away would be just the length of the film. I mean, three plus hours. Some people don't have that time. That time, <laughs> uh, ain't nobody got time for that. Time, the whole black and white feel. I mean, I know people who, if there's subtitles to a movie, they're just like, yeah, no, count me out. And so, with the Isaac Davy. So yeah, I think that for the most part, there's there's big appeal, um, but also. I mean, you kind of have to be in in the right mood and headspace for that. It's not one of those things that you throw on at a, at a Friday night party where everybody's just having a good time. You're like, "Hey guys, let's uh, let's watch Schindler's List." I was like, "Yeah." Although I gotta drop this in here because uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. When I was watching this film, one of the things that came to my head is Flight of the Concords in their HBO special in the song Jenny. When she, when uh, he's trying to guess the the man is trying to guess <laughs> what movie they watched at a party, <laughs> he says it was something like, but not necessarily Schindler's List. We watched it and we wept. <laughs> that's true. That's um, right. Uh, that's that's what I thought of. I mean, they they just do things differently at Friday night parties in New Zealand. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, I'd, I'd trend more towards the Police Academy 4, but... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. What, what do you think? I do. I mean, I, I think, you know, it was a world war, so they were the chief victims of the world war. Uh, there are Holocaust deniers out there. Those people are marginal. I don't really care. Everybody knows it happened. Right. Um, it's... It was kind of, um, again, it just seems kind of meaningless because, um, like, I know there's animosity between Christians and Jews, but Hitler was not a Christian, and it just, the, 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 the whole idea of the Ubermensch, he wasn't, he didn't fit the stereotype, and it, it just... Um, even one of the stories, and I, I mentioned there was a guy in Japan, um, and I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I think it's, I think it relates the guy in Japan. Um, actually I, I found out Japan was actually very sympathetic to Jews and was one of the only places that accepted Jewish refugees during the war. Um, really? I mean, the U S didn't, um, I don't think the UK did, but Japan did. Um, because they had a long-standing kind of unspoken policy that they wanted Jewish people because they're prosperous and they wanted prosperous people to be in Japan. And so um, there was a guy that was, I think he was stationed in Lithuania, and I can't remember his name. Um, this was a random podcast I was listening to. But yeah, this guy, um, and he obviously wasn't a Nazi, but he was he was Japanese and... Um, but still, like, wrote over 2,000 visas or something like that for, for Jewish refugees. So, 
anyway, just the, the mindlessness of choosing the Jewish people um, to be the victims was senseless. And just anybody imagining that what if there were a giant world power that picked people who look like me and started throwing them into concentration camps. And, you know, obviously the U.S. did it as well. Now, not nearly to the extent of Auschwitz or anything like that, but still super racist and uh, violated the rights of thousands of Japanese Americans. And all that stuff is just stupid and senseless and never needed to happen. So I, I think anybody can feel that way and realize that, you know, people want to be free. And when you're not, and, you know, the Jews were not, um, and just to be treated that way is just so unjust. I think it certainly has a universal appeal. Now, <laughs> it's in the, if you're comparing it to the entertainment world, it's prob it's not a feel good movie, obviously. Um, yeah. And so if people are looking for a party on Friday night and a movie to watch during that time, it's not going to be your first choice, probably, unless, you know, I don't know, you're in a crowd of like-minded people who wants that. But um, so there, there is probably some limit on the, the broadness of the appeal there. But um, in terms of being able to commiserate with the plight of the Jews in this particular film, I think definitely... I mean, just the fact that neither of us had had seen the movie, but we both knew and had a good idea of what the movie was about, I think tells to its broad appeal and the message that it conveys. Yeah. But is the appeal broad enough if neither of us cinephiles had seen it? I would argue that it could be. Um, again, because... part of the reason I hadn't watched it is because I didn't feel like I needed to. Um, Number one, again, German major. I knew a lot about Jews. I heard a lot about Jews. Jews. (laughs) I'm going to cut that. So number one... I'm going to say Nazis there. Um, I knew a lot... (laughs) Wow, wow. Mixing up Nazis and Jews now. Okay. Uh, uh, we're going to have to keep that in. Uh, I'm not anti-Semitic at all. I meant to say Nazis. I'm tired. Um, we're talking about Jewish people. Anyway, um, no. Knew a lot about Nazis. Knew a lot about the Holocaust, that period. Um, so, yeah, I I kind of felt like I didn't have to watch it to really know what it was about. Now that I have, I do think... You know, it hit all of the things I expected it to. So, yeah, I I do think even though we didn't directly take time to watch it, um, the I'll counteract that. I'll, I'll counterpoint that by saying we're talking about it now, and we forced ourselves to watch it because we're talking about our Hall of Fame of movies. So that's fair. <laughs> um. So that being said. How likely are you to rewatch this movie, or how often would you rewatch this movie? There's not zero chance, but it's pretty dang close. I don't want to see it again. <laughs> uh, it's depressing. It's horrible. Super good. Super powerful. 
um, message. But again, it's it's not a fun movie to watch. Um, being exposed to some of the worst behavior in human history is not fun. So rewatchability is not high. How about yeah, you? I don't know. I mean, I think the most likely scenario of me rewatching this would be with a group of friends or or family who hasn't seen it, and the only way that they're going to watch it is with me there. Really, really pulling for it. Um, yeah, I mean, excellent film, but I'll just throw on something like Zombieland if, if I'm just trying to watch something <laughs> uh, for rewatchability value. Yep, it's not a background movie. Um, but that is a good point, too. I, I think there is a certain amount of duty to just remember the victims and remember the horrible atrocities that were committed in the 20th century. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think at a certain age, maybe my kids, I'd have them watch it just to be exposed to that to a, a, a relevant story from that time period. But, yeah, it's a, it's an adult film and an adult film. It's a it's a it's a mature film. And uh, <laughs> put my foot in my mouth multiple times for this pod. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a mature film and it, (laughs) keep going. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it's, it's not fun, but it's, it definitely serves a purpose. I feel like, I don't know, we're kind of conditioned to, the media that we digest that deals with this content um, that we're most likely to really trumpet and, and push for those around us to watch are the ones that um, kind of glorify some action of, of some party. And so, like, anything involving the American military during World War II um, to the point of liberating a camp like Band of Brothers, I mean, I could watch that once a year, every year, twice a year, every year, you know, love yep. that, that miniseries, and um, then it gets super heavy when they, when they do liberate a, a concentration camp for the first time, it's like, oh man, that's awful, then it goes right back to like, oh yeah, but hey, here's, here they are doing army things again, we're, we're having fun again, right? Um, not that, that everything in there was fun, because Holy right. crap! What those no, guys I, I get what you mean. There's, yeah. there's valor, there's camaraderie, there's there's a lot of powerful brotherhood in that. That is not fun, but fulfilling. Yeah, it it, it, it satisfies this picture that we have of um, the heroes involved in that time and yeah. um, how realistic. Um, that is or how how built up that is you know it's been um close to i guess 70 years since that time over 70 years um and so um, i think it's an important important topic and important thing to to remember but not not something that i'm gonna do a lot yeah yeah for sure so what about the timelessness 
of Schindler's List? Is it a timeless movie? Or are there certain things that really are only powerful? What This movie was made in 92, I believe. Yeah, 92 or 93. It's, now that it's, uh, what, degree 27 years later, is is it still as relevant, and will it continue to be relevant? Yeah. I mean, just the most obvious thing, um, anti-Semitism is kind of, a very, I mean, not kind of. Anti-Semitism is a very real thing today. You hear about it all the time. It's one of those things that hasn't gone away. You would think that having this horrible, these horrible atrocities committed to the Jewish people um, during this time would have been something that everybody could have rallied around and said, "Hey, you know, let's stamp this out and, and have it not be a thing." But no, it's very real today. Um, so. And I think that obviously you don't want to appropriate and, and spread it around to say, you know, this horrible thing happened to the Jews. Any sort of person who has ever been discriminated against can can relate because, I mean, what happened there was so much worse than what 99% of people who have been discriminated against have, have gone through. Maybe not 99%. That's maybe a little bit high. But I still think that... that 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 holds up over time and with the spread or the increase in visibility of, of hatefulness and hate crimes and nationalistic movements that social media allows, this is definitely a topic in the film that um, is just as relevant today as, as in 92 or 93 as it was in back in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think overwhelmingly so. It is it is timeless because we do, I think, have, have certain fail-safes in our society that would keep us from, you know, systematically doing what the, what the Nazis did. But at the same time, you know, it's still a very clear marker of what we have done and are capable of doing. And so if there are not those, you know, fail-safes in our society, or if those fail-safes start to slip, um, then, you know, it's, it's certainly worth talking about um, and, and taking action on. So absolutely, um, I think that the worst atrocity in the history of mankind is going to always be relevant to mankind. So, um yeah, uh, hopefully it can it can continue to serve as uh, the place we never want to go back to. So, um, what do you say about it being in the Hall of Fame? Now we 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 had a knock on on rewatchability because we don't necessarily de- desire to to you know digest that kind of film over and over again, but. Um, does it belong in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, that's that's tough. It's definitely a phenomenally made film. Um, all of the the quality, um, technical aspects are there. It's just it's it's a movie that I would recommend that everybody watch, just to be aware of of the atrocities of the Holocaust and, like you said, the what humans are capable of at our worst. 
so that we can be aware of that and, and guard against that in the future. But as far as the Hall of Fame movie goes, it's it's not one that I would just be like talking to a friend about it and be like, man, you got to watch this movie. <laughs> you got to watch Schindler's List, man. <laughs> oh, hey. Good to see you at the Starbucks. Um, I saw this movie Schindler's the other day. Uh, Schindler's List? <laughs> you heard of it? You seen it? Man, you got to watch it. I mean, it's it's definitely impactful. Um, it's crazy how angry I got watching it, how sad I got watching it. But... For, for me, I, I, I don't put it there, and it's not for lack of quality or feels or um, themes. Everything's there. <laughs> it's just it's just really hard for me to um, think of that as one that I'd, I'd be putting in, in my top five, you know? Yeah. If this were a real Hall of Fame that had, like, a building that people would go to, what I would probably do is defer it. I think it would need some more discussion to convince me to go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's tough. This is one of those ones that you have the initial Hall of Fame voting. It doesn't make it in. But then you have the committee afterwards that comes back and they're like, well, you know, 10 years down the road. I mean, it's got all these quality aspects. Everything holds up. We're going to give it the like the secondary route entry into the Hall of Fame. Right. Because I think it deserves to be there. By all, by almost all marks, but um, <laughs> just seems like a really depressing personal Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, to include that in there. Well, yeah, it does. It definitely does something that other movies don't do, in that it gives us a really good portrait into the Holocaust from basically the perspective of a Nazi party member. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there are certain things about that that are really good about it. And just kind of the mindlessness of the rationale of Gert and just the people in there. Yeah, it's so strong in the feels. I, I would tend to think that it would be. But again, it's not a movie that I'd necessarily want to spend a ton of time thinking about. So I would say probably I'd defer it. Um, I'd be open to discussing why it should be there. But for now, I think not. I mean, I think it's possible to give this movie a super high rating. Like if you're ranking out of 100 on a percentile and and it can come in at like a, a 98% or something like that, just an arbitrary number I'm picking out and have another film that comes in at a lower score that you still feel better about right. <laughs> giving a shoe into the Hall of Fame, you know? Yeah. No, it sets itself apart for sure, and I, I don't know if that, where the movie ends up living is uh, is in the Hall of Fame, or belongs in the Hall of Fame, but yeah. It's certainly an interesting thing to think about. Um, brings up some questions. Um, I was going to say don't at me earlier when I said I didn't think it should be in the Hall of Fame, but do at me. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, at KCARS409. Feel free to at me if you want. Um, but yeah, for sure, it's uh, it's a tough one to kind of chew on and definitely deserves more thought and conversation than what we can provide in one episode of the podcast but hopefully um we kind of touched on some of the major issues but yeah i don't i don't know 
I, I think we got to leave it there for now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good film to see once. Can provide many conversations for a Friday night party with friends <laughs> gathering, but not necessarily a watchability at all those. All right, <laughs> well, that's going to kind of wrap us up today. Once again, shout out to Kanye West if you ever want to come on to our podcast. We do have another question for you today. This is one that I've been pondering for, for many, 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 many years. But I was just wondering, how recently have you ordered a fish fillet? When was the last time? How frequently do you order a fish fillet? And is it cray? Do you put any cray condiments on that fish fillet? That shit cray. <laughs> so yeah, that is this week's question for Kanye. Join us next week when we talk about, well, I say week. Join us for the next episode. Next week's Christmas as we're recording this. So join us for the next episode, whenever that may be. When we talk about the best film ever, in my subjective, completely not correct opinion. IBHO, in Brendan's humble opinion, The Prestige (laughs) is the best film ever made. We will talk about that, whether I agree with that or not. And we'll break it down for you. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us. Stay glitzy. (laughs) Stay glitzy, San Diego.